following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome to The Leftovers, brought to you by the Underdog Sports Network, with Josh Dunn, Anshu Khanna, and Dan Bauer. Hello and welcome to The Leftovers. This is going to be coming to you guys live, well not live, recorded on January 31st, (laughs) the last day of the month, and hump day, Wednesday, got the crew back together, Dan Bauer out in Cleveland. How do you feel this evening, Dan? Happy to have the whole crew ready for a great show. Love it. And Anshu Khanna joining me from uh, the north side of Chicago. Anshu, welcome. Josh, super pumped for hump day. Thanks for bringing that up. You've always been a big hump day guy. Um, (laughs) Big hump day. (laughs) And surprisingly (laughs) enough, on this uh, late Tuesday evening, we've had a lot of news and we're going to start it right with uh, the most fresh of that news. Alex Smith on the move. There have been, there'd been a lot of talks about Alex Smith and whether or not uh, the Chiefs saw him as a franchise quarterback. That answer has now been given by that organization. So, Anshu, take us through uh, that Alex Smith trade that took place tonight. Yeah, so Washington's going to give Kansas City, it sounds like, a third-rounder. And cornerback Kendall Fuller in exchange for Alex Smith. None of this is official until the league year starts, which is until, I believe, April. So it's going to be a while till this all actually officially sorts itself out. But, I mean, the fact that there's been so much smoke, both from the Kansas City Star and ESPN and um, Ian Rappaport confirmed it as well. So this is happening. And not only has a trade happened, but the skins have turned around and then immediately given just an insane, to me, deal. Four-year extension immediately inked for Alex Smith. $23.5 million per year, $71 million guaranteed, which is what you want to look at when you look at a deal, the guaranteed money. I mean, this is a crazy amount for a 34-year-old quarterback in Alex Smith who has gotten better, really, over the course of his career all the way up till this year. But, man, Jay Gruden must have seen something he really, really liked in Alex Smith to, uh, you know, to basically cut bait with Kirk Cousins, which is what this deal means. And, you know, and go ahead and, and exploit in this market for Alex Smith and make him the future randomly for the Washington skins. Yeah, and obviously, you know, there was a lot of talk about uh, Kirk Cousins as well. You mentioned his name. Um, I, I heard uh, a lot of reports saying that the Browns were in on the conversation with Alex Smith and they were looking to move uh, with him as well. And, uh, Dan, I wanted to get your take on this. So, first of all, you know, your thoughts on the Browns making a play for Alex Smith. Obviously, they didn't get him. Uh, but what does this say for the Browns and, and their future as far as their quarterback position is concerned? Do you see them then making a play for Kirk Cousins? Yeah, a lot, a lot of questions wrapped up in there, so I'll go uh, one by one. But... There were two. <laughs> it's definitely, <laughs> definitely, it's just a long sentence then. Uh, but yeah, Alex Smith was very. You know, I was almost expecting that Alex Smith was going to land in Cleveland. It was, you know, not necessarily a foregone conclusion, but something we all assumed and were a little bit counting on. 
for twenty three and a half million dollars a year, though, it just seems like such a crazy extension to to give Alex Smith. You know, even if you assume that Kirk Cousins is going to get thirty thirty one million a year, there's no way I, I think that Kirk Cousins is. Uh, or there's no way Alex Smith is only worth seven million dollars less than Kirk Cousins. So, you know, if it's you know a third round pick for Alex Smith, I would have given up in a heartbeat. Like absolutely, um, and then obviously a, a, another piece as well. I think the Browns could have flipped, but to have to turn around and give him twenty three and a half million dollars a year to to stay here, I think that is just a, a way over the top price. Um, for a guy who was almost out of the league, you know, a year or two ago, I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem like it makes sense. And you know, from the Browns' free agency strategy, from I know they have a lot of cap space, but they also have a lot of holes. So to give a guy like Al Smith twenty three and a half million dollars a year just wouldn't have seemed worth it for me in the end. Yeah, I, I feel like you guys, neither of you guys, really put a lot of value on Alex Smith. I I still think he's got some some gas left in the tank I mean if you look at the first six games of this NFL season he was widely thought of as the MVP um, you know there were some games in there against difficult tasks uh, defenses that he that he played really well against obviously he's been inconsistent that's that's an issue but I mean if you look across the league there are very few star quarterbacks who are consistent throughout an entire NFL season stay healthy uh, and I think Alex Smith still brings a lot to the table obviously the Redskins have brought in some weapons on the offensive side of the ball over the last couple of years. I, I think it's at least interesting. I, I don't know that he is, you know, far and away a better option than Kirk Cousins is. But uh, to your point, Dan, I think they get him a little bit cheaper. Uh, they get a little bit more of a veteran who's been in the playoffs a little bit more than Kirk Cousins. And, you know, granted, he hasn't done as well. But I still think there's value in Alex Smith. And obviously the Redskins agree with me because they put a lot out there for him. Uh, I mean, yeah, I definitely get what you're saying. I think we're underrating him just a little bit. This was by far, by far his best year this year. And if he is even close to what he did this year as opposed to last year, I mean, this deal makes sense. Look, 15 games this year for Alex Smith, right, regular season, 4,000 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, five picks. And that's all at an 8.6 air net yards per, per attempt, which is really very good, by far his best started driving the ball down the field is what that means that comes out works out to 270 yards a game 105 quarterback rate like that dude played well this year like no questions asked was a legit mvp mvp candidate about halfway through the year i know he slipped a little bit and you got to give some of the credit to matt nagy who's now in chicago and some of it to obviously andy Reid. but you know i i mean Josh, the real issue with this, it's not about like saying Alex Smith isn't a good quarterback or whatever, especially in the first year or two. It's the, when you think about 70 plus million guaranteed in three or four years from now, that's where, you know, Washington's going to be looking at that. And I know the quarterback salary is going to go up, the average salary. But I think that, you know, when you're looking at 2021, when this deal becomes just a crazy amount, Washington's not going to be able to get out from under it. And that has perpetually been their problem in the Dan Snyder era and I think that that's just it just seems like a little bit more of the same in that way which I I mean I get you got to pay for premium talent but this this seems like a little like I mean they did they could have traded and just waited I mean it's not like Alex Smith could have vetoed the deal so a little bit surprising to me on that front at least yeah when you position it like that it totally does make sense because I think that you know the the Redskins are like you said in in, with Dan Snyder they're well known for overpaying for you know Unfortunately, there's no real other way of saying it than washed up 
veterans, which yep. I don't think Alex Smith is quite washed up, but I agree with you that a four-year extension, you know, on top, I, I agree. Why not wait it out? But then you're looking at maybe paying him more if he has the success that you hope he does. So I guess, you right. know, they're betting on him. They're hoping he's the franchise quarterback, at least for the near future. Um, do you, do you think, and I want to kick this question back. I know I, uh, I, I kind of posed it to Dan. Do you think Cousins is on the move next? I mean, do you see him going to to Cleveland or maybe New York? Um, I mean, I definitely he's definitely on the move. There's no way they're keeping both these guys right now. Now, I think that if I had to handicap it, I would say Denver's the favorite just because John Elway is hyper aggressive. I know they have a top five pick, but they don't control their own fate um, in that perspective i'm sure every team wants him i mean the fact that mary Kay came out for the cleveland Plain dealer and straight up said that alex smith was in their crosshairs proves that john dorsey's also looking at a veteran and i'm sure he would love to grab Kirk cousins and then use that first and fourth pick on other guys one of them probably to help cousins on the offensive side of the ball like i said last week i think that Kirk cousins you know that i mean scott McLuhan went on the radio in denver and straight up said Look, Cousins is going to pick the best scenario for him. He guaranteed he guaranteed that Cousins is looking at all these teams. He Cousins went on the radio today and said he wanted to go to the best team, not necessarily the one with the most money. So if you put all those together, Cleveland and Jacksonville and Denver, I think, are the three that I would look at. I know the Jets are a team that you mentioned, but they don't really strike me Giants. as one that fits him. Oh, the Giants. Wow, the Giants are interesting, but they do have Eli, and um, I know that uh, Fritz, Pat Shermer has come out and said that you know, he thinks Eli's got a couple of years left. He might be just saying that, but, you know, you're not going to keep Eli and Cousins on the same roster. So I, I think that those three teams, Denver, Cleveland, Jacksonville, are the three that I look at as the most likely. Well, Jacksonville came out, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, and said they're sticking with Bortles for 2018. I mean, how much stock do you take in, in the team coming out and making that statement? I, I mean, I think that, it's out there, but again, they have till the beginning of the league year to decide if they want to keep Bortles at his $19 million signing or uh, tag right now. And so if they decide, hey, Cousins is going to be, you know, what Dan said, $30 million. I mean, I don't know if it's going to be that much, but if it's only $10 million more only, quote unquote, $10 million more from Bortles to Cousins, I know you guys sort of disagreed with me last week on this, but I would definitely jump at Cousins, pair him with that defense and those good receivers and see what you got. I mean, but again, like I think that probably if I had to say it's Denver 1A, Cleveland 1B, and then a distant third would be Jacksonville because of what you said with Bortles. Yeah, I mean, I think the step up from Bortles to Cousins is there, but I think it's mm-hmm. a little more marginal, I think, than you guys do. Uh, maybe, maybe it's possible. I don't know. I, don't know. I, I Kirk Cousins has proved, hasn't proved a ton to me, but... Um, yeah, I think there is a little bit of value there, and, and I think he's a good jump start for the Browns organization. Uh, he's still, what, 27, 28 years old. Browns are obviously building a very young, talented defense and have added some young receivers uh, to Josh Gordon now being back. If he could stay out of uh, you know harm's way and, and out of the trouble that he's gotten himself <laughs> into over the years. Um, but, yeah, I, I, the, the NFL stories have definitely gotten a little bit more uh, you know, in your face here in the last couple of days. And, and we expect this to be an off season where, you know, some significant moves are made, whether it be in free agency in the draft or in trading, like we saw tonight. So, um, wanted to hey, go, Josh, let me, let me yep. jump in real quick here on that just, uh, before we hop to our NBA news. Um, but I pulled up everybody's cap space for 2018 of those teams we mentioned real quick. Uh, and so we're going to very much see where Kirk cousins, if it's, he wants a paycheck or he wants to win because um, Jacksonville only 16 million in cap space as of right now, obviously, you know, you can start cutting people and making moves, but 
16 million right now, Denver 26 million in cap space. Um, so getting pretty close of, you know, how much Denver can realistically pay. Uh, the Jets, which I know Anshu mentioned, 72 million. Um, so, you know, they obviously have some money in the Browns with over 100 to spend. I think it was 111. Uh, I know that off the top of my head. And so, uh, you know, there's very much, you know, you'll very much see does he want to go to Denver and win and maybe make 15 or does he want to go to, to the Jets or the Browns and make 30, 35 because they can pay it. Yeah, I really think it comes down to Cleveland or or, or the Giants, um, not the Jets. But I, I think that Denver could make a play, and I, I don't know if going to Denver guarantees that you're going to win. People, I mean, we don't want to forget how bad Denver was this past season. Uh, yep. So you're looking at if you're, if you're looking at Denver, Cleveland, and New York, the, the Giants. Uh, I keep saying New York, uh, the Giants. I mean, out of those three teams, you're looking at you know three of the absolute worst teams in the league last year. So. I don't know. I mean, I think he'll get paid regardless of where he goes. One of those teams is going to make cap room if they really want him and they think he's their guy. Uh, obviously, Cleveland has the most of that right now. So if, if the Browns want him and he's willing to play there, which I, I believe he's come out and said that he would, I think they're far and away the favorite to go out and grab him. But like, There's also – sorry, real quick. There's also two other teams, Josh, that we haven't mentioned. One's Arizona. Um, off the top of my head, I don't – I believe Carson Palmer's retiring and – you know, they, they have a high pick. They're probably going to draft somebody. But if they wanted to, and they don't have Bruce Arians anymore, but it would be interesting to see Cousins go there. And then I think the most interesting one, and I, I this is just totally random. I haven't seen any links at all to them. But this team has zero starting quarterbacks or zero quarterbacks on their roster for next year currently, and that's the Minnesota Vikings. Just throwing it out there, the Vikings, all three of those guys, Keenum, Bridgewater, and Bradford are all free agents, I believe. So... That would be imagine marrying cousins with that that defense. Boy, that would be uh, that'd be something. Yeah, th- th- those are two interesting ones as well. Um, you know, I-, I think everybody's in play now. And to Dan's yep. point, he's going to have some decisions, and he'll be able to kind of make a decision based on where he sees fit. Hopefully, um, or you know, maybe a team's going to really go out and make a play for him, like a Browns. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, we'll, we'll we'll keep an eye on Kirk Cousins. Uh, wanted to move on to NBA. Some news in uh, the last 24 hours: John Wall uh, going to have knee surgery. He's going to be out uh, about two months. It looks like uh, he was replaced by Andre Drummond in the All Star game. Drummond with a big game tonight in a win against the Cavs with 21 and 22. And then Kevin Love breaking his left hand tonight in that same game against Detroit. Uh, he is going to be out six to eight weeks, it looks like. We don't for sure know the severity, and a hand injury can vary as far as how much time you'll miss. It is his non-shooting hand, which is a good thing for the Cavs. Uh, but, uh, you know, this nightmare that's been January for this Cavs team is just continuing to get worse. Uh, so of those two injuries, obviously with uh, Washington fighting for their playoff positioning and really fighting for a playoff spot at this point, which one of those injuries really, to you, uh, is going to be the biggest problem? Aren't you? Uh, I, I mean, I think that it's it's got to be Wall. Like, the Wizards are so contingent on Wall's success. I know they got Bradley Beal and Cortad and Ubre and all that, but, you know, they're not they're not that good anyway, in my opinion. And, I mean, they, they always flash, and they, they gave the Cavs that epic game last year. But, you know, I just I feel like that's such a huge injury for them, obviously. They're 28-22 and 22 right now, the five seed in the East. Bucks are coming. They're on a little bit of a streak. They're twenty-seven and two. Pacers twenty-eight and twenty-three. I mean, I, I could see the Wizards slipping all the way down to the seven seed without Wall. I think they'll they'll come back after that. But it, it, you know, it could happen, and that 
you know, that's a disaster in the East because really what you want, you got to be in the top five seeds. And ideally you're the four or five if you're, you know, you're a non-Cavs team because you don't want to face the Cavs in the second round. You want to hope to get the Celtics, draw the Celtics, and then move on from there. Um, the Wizards are now completely screwed on that front, and they any hopes they had of getting the three seed and maybe drawing the Raptors in the second round are gone. So, you know, it's definitely Wall. Like, I mean, I think the Cavs in some ways, and you can speak to this more than I can, Josh, but losing Wall, I mean, I think there's the opportunity, or I'm sorry, Love, uh, there's the opportunity for them to potentially draw closer a little bit. Like, give Isaiah Thomas some more much-needed minutes, just get him out there and get the rest of the team playing well together and then reincorporate Love because he's really a low-maintenance player as far as, like, what he brings in terms of usage with the ball. So, you know, I think it's actually a good opportunity for the Cavs. I don't know where you stand on that. Maybe that's just a silver lining. Well, I think I think the picture is going to be painted that it's just more fuel to the fire of this of this terrible stretch that the Cavs organization has been going through. But I agree with you. I, I think that it's going to give opportunities for some of these bench role players to get some more minutes and figure out really what the identity of this team is. Because I think one thing about Kevin Love that the Cavs have been doing is really trying to force them to get him more involved and and you're seeing that with Isaiah now the more minutes he's been getting recently is they 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 really have him on the floor at times when he probably shouldn't be and I just I think Tyron Lue's doing kind of a poor job of trying to figure out uh who who needs minutes where and I think by taking one of the stars out of the spotlight uh you're going to be able to give more minutes to some of the people off the bench and I, I you even saw it tonight after Kevin Love went down Channing Fry got a bunch of minutes and he played the best game of his season by far. So, you know, and mm-hmm. it's similar type of player too. So you look at, you know, Kevin Love, he, he shoots the three well. He's not exactly a bruiser down low, but he gets a lot of boards. Um, and I think that, you know, when you can give some minutes like that to Channing Fry or and, and others, I mean, Fry had 20 points tonight uh, on four of seven from three and six boards. So, uh, you know, he hasn't had anything close to that this year. So, you know, getting him some more minutes, uh, Kyle Korver had a good game off the bench tonight, and these are in a loss, but I think that you're going to see the Cavs go a little bit more small ball and hopefully find some identity with that, um, moving Tristan Thompson back into the starting lineup permanently now. Um, so yeah. I, I think it's it's unfortunate, and obviously Kevin loves having one of his better years since he's been on the Cavs, but uh, I, I think it gives the Cavs an oppor- opportunity to try to continue to find their identity as they move closer to the All-Star break, and uh, it's it's been a rough go for sure. Um, but hopefully they can start to figure some things out. Um, also in yep. the NBA, we, we had a couple other, or other big stories. One of them was a near trade for your bulls. Uh, Miritich, uh, was on the, potentially on the move and with, to the Pelicans. And it looks like that one's no longer even, uh, going to have potential to get done. Uh, so can you walk us through w- maybe what fell through in that situation? Yeah. So the bulls had offered, uh, Nico Miritich who has been just, an absolute star this year, really. If you look at his efficiency numbers, they're Porzingis-esque, which is impressive, obviously, for a guy that, you know, a lot of Bulls fans would have traded for, you know, a bag of balls, essentially. But (laughs) at at the beginning of the season now, you know, Miritich has enough value to draw potentially a first-rounder. Sounded like Detroit was interested. They obviously trade for Blake Griffin, which we'll talk about. But then, you know, Utah's bandied uh, Rodney Hood out there and possibly a protected first from them, which would be worth more since they're more on the outside looking into the playoff hunt. And then, obviously, New Orleans today, they're offering Omer Ashik, former Bull, and a first-rounder and possibly one more salary filler. 
The unfor- the reason why it fell through is because Nico Miritich has a $12.5 million option next year. Um, so this is sort of convoluted, but the Bulls would have had to pick up the option in order to trade him. If they didn't pick up the option pre-trading him today, then Miritich would have the right to to turn down the trade, essentially, to reject the trade. And the reason why Nico would do that is because the Pelicans are unlikely to pick up that $12.5 million, um, and they don't... <laughs> there was... Basically, the Pelicans don't want to pick up the don't want to trade for Miritich at a twelve point five million dollar clip for the next year because they're afraid that they won't then be able to fit into Marcus Cousins, who they expect to re-sign despite the injury. So a lot a lot of moving parts there, but basically, if this falls on Miritich because he wants his twelve point five million guaranteed next year, which is understandable. So right now it's dead. It's apparently still fluid, according to Casey Johnson, the Tribune. So I, I wouldn't. I mean, Miritich is going to be traded by the deadline. I'd bet on it, but it, it may be Utah instead of New Orleans at this stage. Interesting. Yeah, Miritich having a great year, averaging seventeen and six uh, this year, seventeen point six boards. Uh, he has only played in half the games this season, but uh, definitely somebody that uh, the Bulls are talking about potentially moving. In other, this maybe even more surprising. Uh, I think probably the most surprising uh, of the news, if not the Alex Smith, Blake Griffin on the move. This one happened on Monday night. Um, Avery Bradley, Tobias Harris, Boban Marjanovic, a first and a second rounder. That first round pick is protected. Uh, how surprising was this to you, Anshu? Because I, I know Blake Griffin was talked about as a potential trade component, but I, I don't think that anybody saw it coming this quickly and saw it like this what are your thoughts no way yeah i was shocked um you know deandre jordan was kind of expected to be dealt at the end of the season although when demarcus cousins goes out that really frees up a late playoff spot in the east or in the west um so i really was shocked by it obviously blake griffin especially because he was you know resigned this offseason and the clippers famously roll out like the whole as part of their pitch the retirement ceremony you know, like, oh, this is like this is going to happen. You're a Clipper for life, and it apparently really moved Blake Griffin, and that was part of why he decided to come back. And sure enough, you know, some six months later, he's gone to Detroit without even a thought. So uh, it's it's an interesting trade, though. Though I've thought about it a lot. I know you originally liked the return. I and I'll get to you in a sec. But <laughs> Bradley, I don't think the guy. I think the point of the Clippers doing this is that they do want to tank. I mean, I think that they know they're clearing up space for a big run this offseason at LeBron or whoever else, possibly Paul George, maybe Clay Thompson in two years. This this trade gives them that opportunity because Blake Griffin, of course, is a max player. Now they'll surely look to move DeAndre Jordan with him entering free agency. Lou Williams, your boy, another guy that's likely to get moved before the trade deadline. So, you know, I think that the Clippers now become a team that is in full-on tank mode in this really good draft and possibly for the 2018-2019 season as well. And they just become another team that's not looking to compete and understanding they don't want to be in this NBA hell. And they get that first-round pick, although it's protected, which is uh, – that that stuff is gold now, as we all know. So I don't know. I know you have a different thought on this, though. So uh, walk me through it. Well, I mean, I mean, I think I just put more value in the return in this trade. I know you, you know – didn't really see a lot of value in Avery Bradley and Tobias Harris, but those are two starters for the Pistons, and the Pistons have really kind of they've they've been on a skid lately, and Avery Bradley's having a down year. But let's not forget how integral a piece 
of that number one seed Celtics team Avery Bradley was last year. I mean, people were going crazy at the fact that they traded him to Detroit uh, when he could have been a cornerstone to the the rebuild around Kyrie Irving, not necessarily rebuild, but kind of bringing up some of those youngsters. So I still see a lot of value in Avery Bradley. Tobias Harris is a, you know, decent starter. He's kind of a stretch 3-4 guy. Um, and then Boban Marjanovic is uh, a solid off-the-bench big. You couple that with a first-round a first protected pick and a second-round pick. And to me, I mean, that's pretty decent return for somebody who has, you know, been on teams that were built around Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan, that really couldn't even get out of the first round in the NBA playoffs. So I just, I don't see Blake Griffin as a cornerstone to a legitimate contender. I think he's a decent uh, a decent player. He's having a good year. I think he's averaging 23 or 24 a, year, a game this year. Um, but I, I just, I don't see Blake Griffin going into Detroit being alongside uh, Andre Drummond and I, I don't I don't see that working in the East. I don't see that working anywhere. So I, I, I don't know. I, I think you and I have a different value on Blake Griffin, but more so I think that the, that I just I, I think that what they got in return for him, uh, you know, I think that's a pretty pretty solid return. Yeah, I, I guess I get what you're saying. I think the main concern I would have is that you kind of were getting at this, but. Look, they, the Clippers have tried to build around Griffin for a while, and it never worked out for him, in part because he's so injury-prone. Like, there's at some point, it's not a fluke anymore. Like, dude, you basically get hurt every single year. You can only bank on 50 games or so. But when Griffin's been healthy, and even after many really brutal injuries, he's still a super effective player that impacts the game unlike many people his size. Problem is he's just never, you know, you just can't count on him being out there. As far as him playing with Andre Drummond when he is healthy, I, I actually don't mind that fit at all. I mean, I think of this a little bit like Boogie and Anthony Davis, obviously a lesser mm. version on probably on both accounts. But, I, I mean, this is the East, and, you know, and Griffin's been playing with DeAndre, who's, you know, a, a little bit different than Drummond, obviously, but they have sort of similar high-flying theatrics on the offensive end and uh drummond's not as good at defensively but i just i think that those two can play decently well together especially you add reggie jackson and i think i just look they the goal is clearly for them to just win a series just give the fans something and to protect stan van gundy's job and you know for now i just i i it's clear what they're trying to do they're fine with nba hell because they haven't even been good enough to be there for the last few years at piston so you know this is this is clearly a, a you know a marginal team just trying to win a couple playoff games, which is fine. It, you know, I know that you there are people that like that stuff. I personally just don't. I don't think you're getting better really long term, which is why I sort of have come around to your side of this. This is a hot take for you, but I I legitimately believe this trade moves the needle more for the Clippers this season than it does in making Detroit a legitimate contender to win a series in the Eastern Conference. Wow. Okay. So you wait. You think the Clippers are more likely to win to get better out of this? I think the Clippers did more to make themselves a contender for a playoff spot than Detroit did to put them in a position to win a series in the East. Look at the look at the Clippers. Look at the Clippers. Lou Williams is averaging twenty three and a half a game this year. He almost made the All Star game. They may trade him, but I'm talking about as is. Not even not looking at you know what could happen. What what did happen. If you look yeah. at the Clippers, they have Lou Williams, who's a legitimate fire scorer. They have DeAndre Jordan, who is first or second in the NBA in rebounding. And then you just added 
two starters from Detroit, who one of which is a defensive specialist, and the other one is, like I said, a kind of a good stretch three four guy. Uh, legitimately, you know, can go out there and get you fifteen a game. So I, I I think that you know I don't think that that was what the Clippers were looking to do in this trade. I, right, I agree right. with you that it was more of a rebuild trade opportunity, but I I really do believe that they did more to move their needle than Detroit did. We'll see. I think I know you think that Blake Griffin and and uh, and Andre Drummond can work. I I don't I don't see it working like Anthony Davis and Boogie Cousins. I think Andre Drummond is a different type of big than either Anthony Davis or Boogie Cousins. He needs to own the paint. He's a good scorer when he gets close to the basket, and he absolutely dominates on the glass. So I, I just – Blake Griffin's more of an athletic stretch four who's trying mm-hmm. to still find his jump shot at whatever he is, 28, 29 years old now. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it working as well as you do. But we'll see. I mean, that's, that's why we have these conversations. I did want to touch real quick on – before we go to the microwave, we maybe do a mini microwave. You had a ridiculous take – uh, about Miritich that we we just got done talking about Miritich, but can you just remind me what this take was so I can blow it up before Dan takes the microwave from us? <laughs> oh my God! All right, so ESPN was trying to fire up some hot trade takes, and uh, basically it was like, uh, who should do what trade? So basically, on there it was uh, Engelman, I think is his name. So his proposed offer was the Cavs get. Nikola Miritich and Robin Lopez from the Bulls. Two, you know, useful pieces. Here's what they give up. Iman Chumpert. All right, fine. Brooklyn's 2018 first-round pick. <laughs> and, Kev- and Kevin Love. <laughs> this is the most ridiculous, dumbass offer of all time. Dude, I can't I thought, believe it. I, I, they allowed this to get published. Somebody actually put that on ESPN and, like, the like – the trade potential trade options. That's it's absolutely absurd. Yeah. I wouldn't even trade Amon Shumpert and Channing Fry for Miritich, and I know he's probably worth that, <laughs> but I wouldn't even do that. But you not only you're gonna give him Kevin Love, but you're gonna throw in one of the most valuable draft picks that you could possibly bring up in an offer. I I, I about fell out of my chair when you sent that to me. So I, 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 mean, I, just, I who was the guy I want to give him proper credit where credit's due. I think his name is <laughs> I want to get this right. Jeremiah Engelman. Jeremiah right? Engelman. So this guy's made up. Fire him. ESPN. <laughs> give me a job. Fire that man. Sorry. This uh, is ridiculous. I mean, it's such a bad offer. I, I like. I couldn't even believe it. And it actually kind of went viral because it was so just absurdly stupid. And everyone, Bulls and Cavs fans alike, and anyone with a half a brain agreed that this was just the worst trade ever. Well, I love how he had to start it out by saying. I know this sounds crazy, but hear me out. If you have to say that <laughs> to preface a story, you probably shouldn't be going into the details of the story. I mean, that was just absolutely absurd. Um, speaking of things that have had fans talking, though, Dan, we have a microwave for you, and I wanted to be the first to offer my condolences. Uh, I'm so sorry, but looks like Chief Wahoo is going to die after this season. Well, sort of. So uh, if you want to throw 90 seconds on the clock, uh, I will be happy to take this on our microwave. Yes, I uh, and welcome back. I, I only posed one question to you that time, so I hopefully that is a warm welcome. Uh, <laughs> appreciate, let's, let's... appreciate all that time to update my Bumble pictures while you guys were talking NBA, so oh, wow. thanks for that. <laughs> nice. I can't wait to uh, swipe right. Um, is that how that works? Um, Hump day is coming. People forget. 90 seconds on the microwave. Chief Wahoo's all yours, my friend. So anybody who's in Cleveland listening to this, I you might want to turn this off now because this is completely opposed to basically my entire social media feed. 
it's time to let Chief Wahoo go to ride off into the sunset. Um, it is, uh, by all objective measures, a ridiculous, offensive caricature that should have been gone years ago. And the, my key argument to this, and this is what I try to post to people, how much different is your sports viewing experience going to be without Chief Wahoo? How many of your memories are now different because of Chief Wahoo being gone? The first time you went to a game with your dad, you sat there and watched a, your first Indians game. Is that now ruined because Chief Wahoo is, is gone? Is the hat you were wearing going to really make that much of a difference of your memory? It's something that should have been gone a long time ago. Do not do the comparison of, well, the Redskins are still here, so uh, why do we have to get rid of our stuff? That is the most ridiculous like fifth-grade kindergarten tattletale argument uh, that I've ever heard. You don't get to say, well, I don't think it's offensive. People who – if you're not a Native American and not 100% Native American, spare me that I'm 116th Cherokee, so I don't find it offensive – um, I'm just throwing out like the list of arguments that I've seen over the past two days. That's just absurd. I mean, and I'm just happy that we don't have to have the argument. We don't have to talk about it. And we all knew this was coming. It was very obvious if we were going to get the all-star game, there's no way the MLB was going to let Chief Wahoo be flying around. Uh, and the good news, if you really do love Chief Wahoo, is that the Indians are still going to sell it in the team shop in Northeast and in retailers in Northeast Ohio. So uh, shout out to the Indians for playing both sides of the coin of telling everyone they're going to get rid of Chief Wahoo and continuing to sell merchandise uh, so they can make money off fans who are refusing to let it die. Uh, So let it die, Cleveland. It's time to get over it. Well, he's going to have a proper send off. It sounds like there's a whole year uh, for, for fans to, uh, you know, voice their sorrows. I'm sure there'll be, uh, you know, groups that will you'll be able to talk to like we have around the country in Snowflake America right now. So uh, <laughs> a Chief Wahoo support group is coming to a town uh, near you, Dan, I'm sure. Uh, with that being said, I, we're, we're going way over tonight. I love it. I love the energy, good content. Hopefully the listeners like it as well. But uh, let's uh, go to our Oh By The Ways, unless you maybe wanted to comment on the Chief Wahoo story, aren't you? Uh, but uh, we'll start with you, my friend. We may have lost Anchu, so... Well, Dan, how about we go to yours? (laughs) All right, well, uh, so, oh, by the way, a couple quick baseball things. Uh, Diamondbacks signed Alex Avila, uh, so add a nice little piece uh, to them, um, in addition to Neftali Perez, which we talked about on Monday's show. And uh, that was uh, our quick little baseball note. And then also Brandon Moss traded to Oakland uh, from Kansas City, opens up some cap space uh, if the Royals are still trying to sign Eric Hosmer, which you assume. So a couple little quick baseball notes. Uh, Josh, what's your O, by the way? We can get out of here. Yeah, so my O, by the way, tonight is going to be James Harden. Uh, Harden with the first 60-point triple-double in uh, in history. So I wanted to to give Harden his proper props, and uh, he ended up uh, with 60. I think it was 12 and 11 or 11 and 10 uh, on, the, on the night. Uh, so... Uh, excellent work by James Harden, who is having himself a very, uh, very good season. Probably going to be the front runner for the MVP. Um, but uh, that that was mine, uh, and that should that should pretty much wrap things up for us. We, I think we lost Anchi there toward the end, uh, but uh, we will have him back on the show on Friday's episode. Dan, uh, anything to add before we let our listeners get back to their hump day? 
No, enjoy it, uh, and we'll get a good Super Bowl show ready for you guys on Friday. So tune in, tell your friends, five stars, rate, review, keep doing all those great things. Love it. For Dan Bauer, Josh Dunn, this is The Leftovers. We'll see you Friday. <laughs>